0: China is currently the dominant global refiner of critical minerals and the world's largest producer of EV batteries and clean technologies like solar cells. But there's no doubt we have those critical minerals here in British Columbia and in Canada as well, notably copper, nickel, lithium and cobalt. And they are the building blocks for uh, aerospace, defense and and communications technology. They're part of the present and future when it comes to technology uh, here and around the globe as well. Joining me now is Michael Goring, president and CEO of the Mining Association of British Columbia. Michael, welcome.
1: Nice to see you, Jess. And Pleased I see to be you here. as
0: well. So give me a sense, a snapshot of where the mining industry is right now in British Columbia.
1: Well, there's uh, lots of excitement today with respect to mining. Um, critical Minerals offer British Columbia really a new and generational opportunity, and it's an opportunity that is literally and figuratively right under our feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in
0: regards to opening a mine, and growing up in the interior uh, in Williams Lake, I was thinking about the Gibraltar mine, which is probably about half an hour, 45 minutes outside of Williams Lake, provide a, a lot of jobs uh, for folks uh, in and around the caribou. I've spent a lot of time out in the Kootenays as well, a lot of mines there. How challenging with the environmental challenges that we have and questions that we ask, and those are, uh, I think, the right questions we have to be asking in today's society. We've got First Nations issues as well. Uh, How challenging is it to open a mine in this province today?
1: Well, uh, it is challenging. Yeah. And um, the big challenge is, of course, is time and the time it takes to undertake and successfully conclude the permitting and authorizations for a mine. Uh, Mining is the most highly regulated industry in Canada, mm-hmm. and there's reasons for that, um, you know, to ensure that it's done safely mm. and responsibly in a sustainable way, and it is, um, but uh, all told, uh, actually, um, I would quote uh, the current um, uh, federal minister uh, for Natural Resources Canada, um, and he's stated that uh, last year at, at, uh, at the PDAC conference in Toronto, which is a big mm. mining conference, uh, Minister Wilkinson said, you know, it it can't take 15 years to permit a mine in Canada.
0: Does it take 15 years to permit a mine in British Columbia today or, or in and around that?
1: We're in and around. We're looking at probably 11, 12, 13 years to permit a mine. It- Why would somebody
0: want to do that now if it takes 11 or 12 years? Would you not want to go to Chile? Would you not want to go to some other jurisdictions instead of this province? I know we do it well. I know we have the talent here. Uh, But 11, 12 years of spending dollars and dealing with government, dealing with consultations is significant.
1: It certainly is. Um, It is a a, uh, significant undertaking with lots of capital, um, and it's high risk. Uh, But in British Columbia, we are considered a global mining jurisdiction. Yeah. We have, um, you know, lots of uh, fantastic minerals, a a good solid resource endowment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, mining built the province. Mm -hmm. There's 17 operating mines in BC today, two smelters. And, um, you know... uh, one of the best places to build a new mine is close to an existing mine because that's where the the ore will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people in the industry who are very focused on on making it happen.
0: What are what are we mining out of the? I think you said 17 mines. What are we mostly mining?
1: Well, in British Columbia, we're Canada's largest producer of copper. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the second largest producer of silver mm-hmm. in Canada. The only producer of molybdenum. Mm-hmm. Um, we are Canada's largest producer of steel-making coal, mm-hmm. uh, and we produce uh, lots of uh, gold um, and many other minerals. Actually, it, on the critical mineral side, uh, Canada has a list of 31 critical minerals. We uh, either produce or find 16 Critical minerals in British Columbia. Uh, Last
0: time I traveled to the Kootenays uh, to to visit some mines, I think it was a tech mine many years ago. um, The average salary at that point was like one hundred nine thousand dollars a year for miners. Uh, Has that changed?
1: It has. Um, So we mining in in the province supports some thirty five thousand jobs. And we have uh, one of the highest average annual salaries of any industry in Canada at 124,000 per year.
0: 124,000 a year is yes. the average salary for miners. Wow! And as long as you can get them up and running, and <laughs>
1: you pay yeah. well. Uh,
0: in regards to, and we can talk about this during the uh, after the break. But I just want to touch a little bit on. The issue of nickel, uh, of uh, uh, lithium especially, we were talking to Jeremy Cato about that. How much interest are you seeing from outside investors and people wanting to get mines built uh, in regards to lithium and, and, and uh, the cobalt, the and copper and nickel, those sort of critical minerals we we're talking about? Yeah. How much interest are you seeing here in British
1: Columbia on that? Critical minerals has been a game changer. Um, there's significant interest uh, significant interest in British Columbia for critical minerals. Um, we have, uh, as an example, two of the top 10 largest nickel deposits in British Columbia. Nickel is commonly viewed as something you would find in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these deposits uh, is, um, is um, being... Uh, um, researched by FPX Nickel, owned by FPX Nickel. And the um, exciting thing about uh, FPX Nickel is they have a uh, uh, certain type of nickel deposit called Awerite, and they're proposing to both mine this nickel and refine the nickel here in British Columbia to produce battery-grade nickel sulfate. The refining process itself, it's a value-added process, mm-hmm. which uh, support some five to 600 jobs. And they could produce enough nickel to supply 17% of the North American battery uh, market demand by 2030. Just here in BC? Just here in BC. We are speaking to
0: Michael Goring, president and CEO of the Mining Association of British Columbia. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, critical minerals. We've chatted uh, at the tail end of that last segment on the issue. Um, How much of an impact, uh, with, with tensions between U.S. and China... And uh, President Biden has talked about reshoring and uh, really focusing on the green economy. And part of it is uh, in and around critical minerals. How much of a, a focus and pressure does that put on Canada and on British Columbia to really have a critical mineral strategy, uh, focus more on developing those critical minerals?
1: Many Western and developed nations are looking to Canada. Yep. Uh, to purchase the, the, the minerals and metals um, that they need to advance their economy and to transition to a low-carbon future.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're hearing from some of those nations then?
1: We are indeed.
0: What kind of countries are we talking
1: about? We're talking South Korea, Germany, the United States, Japan. Uh, heads of states from those nations have all been through Canada over the last two quarters. Mm-hmm. And Critical Minerals has been on the top of the agenda of all of those state visits.
0: If that is the case, uh, when was the la- when will- when did the last mine in British Columbia open?
1: Well, the last mine in BC to open was the Bruce Jack Gold Mine in Northwest BC in the Taltan Territory in twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay. Now, um, but further, uh, the government of BC just provided um, Artemis Gold, uh, Blackwater Gold Mine, with its Mines Act permit. So it is now in construction, okay. And they're expecting first pour at some point in twenty twenty four.
0: Twenty twenty four. So it it just received it this year.
1: Yes, I so think in February twenty February
0: of twenty twenty three. And you just said the one previous to that was twenty sixteen. So this is a huge timeline in regards to a uh, mine being approved. It, it's not like something it happens once a year, twice a year. You're talking about once one is approved, it may be another six or seven years. Before another one is
1: approved in, in this country. That's correct. But you also have to consider commodity cycles as well.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, how much of a role, uh, sitting here in downtown Vancouver, and a lot of these mines are not going to be in Vancouver, they're going to be in the interior, in the northwest, northeast, Kootenays, um, perhaps even Vancouver Island as well. Um, how much of a role, what role do First Nations now play in regards to uh, consultation and a, mo- a mine potentially
1: even moving forward in this province? Well, Indigenous uh, nations uh, play a significant role in mining and, as a matter of fact, in any natural resource mm-hmm. industry in British Columbia. Um, we, um, you know, have been talking to both levels of government um, about critical minerals and the need to have both governments work together to accelerate uh, Indigenous participation in the mining industry. Um we don't think you know public and private sector agendas in critical minerals mm-hmm. uh, really um, aren't possible without the full participation of indigenous nations.:
0: Is there skepticism from First Nations communities uh, when it comes to a mining project?
1: There may be some skepticism, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of nations with significant interest in development. What they want to do, though, is they want to be at the table. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to participate, they want to be involved in decision making. They want to feed their families just like every other British Columbian, but they want to be part of it because those mines are located on their traditional territories.
0: What is the biggest hindrance right now in this province of ours for mining to move forward? Uh, you know, you've got mines open, but you did say mine was approved in 2016. Another one now looks like it's moving forward. It's 2023. What are the one or two things you would like to see changed in this
1: province to spur greater growth of the mining industry? Jazz, we have 12 critical mineral projects in the queue. 12? 12. Copper, copper gold, copper silver, Mm -hmm. nickel, niobium, some rare earths. In order to realize the potential of those critical mineral projects, there's two things that need to happen. First, we need the provincial and federal governments to work together lockstep, as we would expect them to, uh, to expedite critical mineral permitting. And second, we need to see greater support uh, for Indigenous participation in critical mineral projects.
0: So that's from the province or, or just from different First Nations communities?
1: Both, uh, both crowns, the provincial government and the federal government, so, need to work together to ensure nations have the uh, capacity, uh, administrative governance, technical capacity to participate you know, on a level playing field mm-hmm. in a government-to-government setting. Uh, in the in the mo- uh, major mines permitting process, are you an optimist? I am an optimist. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> this is BC after <laughs> all. I just had
0: the head of the yeah. Greater Vancouver Board of Trade complaining about six billion dollars of costs being downloaded onto business, and the bottlenecks that you're dealing with, whether it be environmental or in First Nations and capacity First Nations community, the bottlenecks are still government.
1: In Certainly. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, you gotta be an optimist <laughs> in this game. Uh, I mean that, you know, we are a high cost jurisdiction for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, we need, you know, in Canada, we're very good with aspiration.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. We talk about stuff. We should do this the huge opportunity. It's time with critical minerals to move to implementation.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. It's and time. It's time. There you go. Uh,
0: Michael, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you.